is the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. Welcome back. How are you? Sorry, I was uh, doing my best Bill Burr impression there. Episode number 53. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network, the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. We take topics relevant to today's gun owners. We tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and law enforcement to give you both angles of discussion. Today, welcome back, Hanny. Hanny's back. We're going to talk about what it takes to win the fight. But first, a little sponsor message. This podcast is brought to you by Excess Sights at excesssights.com. Uh, get sights for your favorite pistol, rifle, shotgun carbine modern sporting rifle they do it all and they use photoluminescent paint and tritium uh great quality sites and they're made there in the great state of texas also brought to you by ccw safe legal service membership for concealed carriers and leos the most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team save 10 percent off your membership by Entering code OFFDUTY10 at checkout. OFFDUTY10 will get you 10% off. EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt. The most functional, comfortable concealed carry belt on the market, hands down. Uh, Last week's guest, Les Les Pep, Les Kismertoni, is a loyal uh, user of the belt. And we appreciate that. Thanks for being on, Les. I really appreciate your time, and it was good to finally get you on a podcast. So, And uh, don't forget, Guardian Conference, by the time you hear this podcast, we will be seven days out. Seven days away, and along with the Guardian Conference, last week's podcast giveaway winner for the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway was Greg S. He won a digital download of Vehicle Firearms Tactics. Uh, next week, $50 gift card to SSP eyewear, courtesy of concealedcarry.com's weekly giveaway. Took me a second there. Sorry, guys. It's been a long week, uh, and just recently got over, uh, a little bit of losing my voice, which for someone that talks, uh, as a part-time gig and actually as a full-time job, it was a wee bit of a trying week, and uh, you know, got to thank the allergies. So, without further ado, we're going to bring in our uh, our guest, Hanny, who has not joined us in some weeks. So, welcome back, Hanny. Uh, after your post birthday celebration, and uh, <laughs> made the journey down to Dallas there to. Uh, you know, catch up with you and uh, Mr. Steve Moses, who uh, also uh, I need to get back on the podcast soon. Two weeks away from the Guardian yep. conference. And uh, yeah, you pitched a topic to me the other night that I kind of liked. And uh, so we called it what it takes to win the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I pitched it and it's, um, you know, deliberately as a, um, uh, kind of as a trick question. How about that? Okay. So, uh, the inspiration was uh, lots of good podcasts that you've had on lately. Okay. 
and uh, that I listened to uh, Daryl and Wayne and uh, Eric Gelhouse. Unfortunately, I know all those guys. And um, listening to all those podcasts, little bits of things occurred to me. And um, and then they kind of like uh, kind of opened like the floodgates in my head of, you know, things that I've been teaching. So what occurred to me was a perennial question is, well, you know, what, what, what does it take to win the fight? And um, I got to thinking about that. And. You know, basically, the, 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 you know, the one who, you know, the person who really inspired me was, um, was Eric. Because, you know, whether it was his intention or not, he basically was, was talking about, you know, Cooper's um, combat triad, right? And the, and the thing is, is that on the one hand, it's kind of vague. On the other hand, I came to the conclusion that you really can't, you really can't be much more specific than that, you know? Um, so you're saying uh, it's vaguely specific. That was What I'm a, saying is, is it's deceptively useful. How about that? I like it. We're, we're all over the oxymorons and entendres here. Yep. I believe. Um, you know, the idea being that um, your marksmanship, you have gun handling, you have combat mindset. So with combat mindset and, um, you know, Eric mentioned that, you know, a lot of people bring up the issue of tactics and, you know, where does it fall or is it, it is, is it its own separate topic and so on. And, you know, admittedly, it's not a perfect model. It's a good, uh, you know, I, I believe he called it like a three legged stool. Yeah. That, you know, these are the three things. And if you leave one out, the stool falls. And that's really what started my thinking about it. And so, but before you get get on a roll, I'm of mm-hmm. the belief that tactics are a completely different topic. Uh, roll I, moi. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I, I completely, I, I like, I feel like m- mindset, marksmanship, gun handling, like those three are the pillars that everything else. Because if you do tactics and you don't have the gun handling, you're a liability. If you do tactics and you don't have the marksmanship you're really not gaining anything other than you're looking like you know what you're doing. And if you don't have the mindset that this is a lethal game and I hate to use the word game, but it's a lethal endeavor. um, Then your head's really not in the right place to be doing tactics. So I kind of look at tactics as it's its own little entity over there that until you've established the combat triad, you, you have that, pretty well in grasp tactics are lost does that make sense like that's just my personal two cents and yep and the thing is is that um um that kind of started me down the road to thinking that everybody wants an easy um solution so give me give me what it'll take tell me what it'll take show me what it'll take and teach me what it'll take to win the fight uh, much like everything in life, we want simple answers, and um, there there the, the really aren't any simple ones. Uh, but if you're going to go simple, you know, I I can't think of a one better than the combat triad. 
Um, so that's what got me to thinking. So I'll start with that, that that's what you need to win the fight. Um, the thing is, is, uh, you know, like what you mentioned about tactics, either when I last trained or when I first trained with Louis Arbuck, um, um, may he rest in peace. Uh, and, and I will try not to make this comical because those who have trained with Louis know, know that he had a, quite an Afrikaans accent, but you know, he looked at us and he said, uh, tactics are like chicken shit which was a little bit confusing. And so we looked at him and he goes, uh, what's the white pot? And we didn't know. He goes, shit. What's the brown pot? More shit. <laughs> now, uh, ba- you know, uh, uh, bad language aside, what he finished with was, if you're having to use tactics, you're already not necessarily screwed, but you're behind the curve. And that was his point. Yeah. And so I've tried I've tried to never forget that that tactics are, you know, tactics are tactics and they're important and so on and so on. But when you're employing tactics, that means you're behind the curve. Now, there are times where there no matter how good you are, no matter what happens, uh, the circumstances indicate that you know prescribe that you are behind the curve. Uh, so sometimes nothing can be done about that. But I I, I have I, I always remember that lesson from Louis because um, you know, you can train a lot of tactics, but if you don't have the other three going into it, you know, tactics don't, don't mean a whole lot. Yeah. So, so that was basically the foundation of everything uh, that I got to thinking about. So the question is when, when asked the question, what will it take to win the fight? I've come to the conclusion that uh, the only viable answer is, what fight <laughs> and then perhaps you can give them better answers yeah so i thought about it and and you and i were talking about it earlier um you know for people who are not from this part of the country um uh you know uh, an, uh, an officer from uh, austin pd uh several years ago uh you know shot a guy plus or minus five yards it was somewhere around 100 yards yeah um, and, uh, and, and to make things even more Western, I mean, this is Texas, uh, he was holding his horse with his off hand. Yeah. Shooting strong hand only so, at a hundred yards, shooting strong hand only at a hundred yards. And how he did that with an M and P 40 is beyond me, but that is not the point. The thing is, is that, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you ask the question, what will it take to win the fight, you know, the, uh, f- fights are different. They're all different. And they could be, they could be obviously like that case at a hundred yards. They could be, um, at a closer distance, like maybe seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 yards, but it's a very difficult target, small target to hit. You don't have full value guy. And, um, and then, you know, you have fights where you're actually rolling on the ground. So I, I've come to the conclusion that when, so, when, when someone asks that, uh, I think I'm going to default to the combat triad and then go from there. What fight? And for everybody, I think it's going to be a little, a little bit different. So, you know, if, um, the best way that I can put it is, is eat, whether it's close or far, whether it's just hands or whether it involves firearms and if firearms, which firearm and so on, 
The answer is kind of different depending on what the fight is because it'll present itself however it presents itself because with, with some exception, we don't get the choice. Um, yeah, you, you don't get uh, to determine in, right. and uh, unless unless it it is a shooting. If it's not a gunfight, you right, make the determinate right. answer, right? You get to you and, pick. And and are you basically sworn and obligated to get involved at all? So those are some of the exceptions. But yeah, my, if you are and you and you have to do it, well, then then you don't get to pick uh, distance. You don't get to pick you know a lot of things. Yeah, my and, my and, number and, one answer when people ask me, well, what do I do? You know, in situation X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, uh, don't be there. Like that's the, that's the easiest yeah. you want to win every single fight. Just don't show up. That's, uh, but sometimes yeah. we don't get the choice. Right. And, uh, and, and this, this goes back to the mindset part of, I only carry my gun when I think I might need it. And my stock answer to that is if I think I might need it, I'm probably not going to go there. Uh, just simply because, I don't want to have to get in a gunfight today, tomorrow, or ever, right? You know, that's the, if somebody told me, uh, you know, at five o'clock in the parking lot, somebody's going to come and, uh, physically assault you. I'd go, okay, well at four I'm leaving, you know, it's, yeah. uh, that's the, that's the easiest, easiest answer. Yeah. And that's the one that we can, we can dictate if we have foreknowledge, if we don't have foreknowledge and we're forced into the situation, it becomes much more, um, much more about what are you prepared for versus avoidance. And I, and I, I, I file that one under mindset. Uh, I agree. And so, um, you know, using the, um, you know, you, using that uh, example, uh, you know, starting with that, that you know, the, the, the officer who is, you know, on mounted patrol, um, um, to me, I thought about it some more. And the better example I could think of was the famous uh, shooting at, uh, at University of Texas in Austin, uh, you know, the famous tower shooting with uh, uh, sure. Charles Whitman. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is he's up. I've been in that building and I can't remember how many floors it was, but it, it, it's somewhere over 20. Yeah. And certainly at, in its day, there wasn't any building around it that, you know, was higher or gave you a better angle. And, um, in addition to, you know, every rifle owning citizen of the city of Austin who went out and, you know, started shooting at the guy. It was the 28th did floor. help. <laughs> was it 28? Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of people shot at him. And to this day, we have no idea, you know, <laughs> how many people shot, who they were. But it did help kind of um, slow, A, his rate of fire, and B, uh, his willingness to expose himself. Because, you know, the vast majority of the casualties were incurred in the beginning when no one knew who was shooting and from where and so on. So I thought about that and, and 
that you know that that's a deal where it's you know hundreds of yards away and 20, 28 floors up in the air. Um, the fact is that that was a gunfight that was resolved at very very close distance. Yeah. Uh, uh, by virtue of the the three people um, who who you know uh, uh, made it to the tower and uh, took the elevator up. And, you know, took the stairs up from there and so on. And um, unfortunately, I can't remember the gentleman's name at the time, but everybody remembers uh, 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 Ray Martinez, who at the time was a was an Austin PD officer and later became a Texas Ranger. And then I believe he retired as a justice of the peace. Um, But at the time, he was an Austin officer. And uh, but there was another Austin officer. But there was a third person who was a civilian. And um, that person basically led them to, well, you know, the, 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 you know, this is how we can get there. Right. Uh, he knew the campus. I believe he worked on the campus. And from somewhere, uh, someone handed him an M1 carbine. And, um, and they, they made it. And uh, you can imagine that the top of the tower is a square. And so when they, um, you know, made it to the top, uh, you know, the, 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 the civilian with M1 carving, you know, looked around the one corner and saw, saw Whitman and, uh, uh, Martinez and his partner went around the opposite direction. And after the second corner, they looked around and they saw him and the person with the M1 carbine just kind of did kind of a Lebanese offhand thing. He kind of leaned the M1 carbine around the corner and just started pressing the trigger. What did and you call that? Always, a Lebanese, what <laughs> Lebanese offhand. Oh, I've never heard that before. I thought that was a hannyism for a minute. <laughs> uh, well, it is a certain way of deploying a firearm without having to expose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and, um, I, it paints anyway, a clear picture. Um, there you go. And so um, he um, basically was able to uh, get his attention and make him kind of like retract, withdraw, and, you know, duck. And the two officers went around that corner and got very, very close to him. And, you know, they, 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 they there are different versions of this, but they, bo- they both shot revolvers at him. And, uh, and people argue as to who originally had the 12 gauge, but um, it seems to be in general agreement that uh, Martinez grabbed the shotgun and then finished it by emptying the shotgun into him. And that was the end of the gunfight. Okay. So on the one hand, that looks like, wow, uh, man, that's many hundred yards away up in the air. I'm going to need a really good rifle with a really good optic. And uh, due to the angle, I'm probably going to have like, you know, a half a head to hit at 300 yards if I'm lucky. But that's not really how it ended. So th- despite what it looked like initially, it was really resolved at contact distance. And that's what kind of got me started down that um, the what that fight. train of thought. Yeah, the what fight. And, um, you know, there's lots of things over the years that um, I always say that uh, experience, you know, everybody says experience is the best teacher. And it, in many ways it is. However, the thing about experience and I, I, 
I, I think I think I've said this before because I stole it from Tom Givens that you know um, uh, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from a lot of bad judgment. Yeah, absolutely. True in our careers. Oh, but by the a thing lot, is about yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's like if I'd have known better, I'd have never done that. But I did get the experience. Uh, but the thing about experience that I've noticed over the years with different agencies is that. Uh, experience is both a gift and it's, it's a hindrance at the same time because your sample size tends to be very, very small. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, usually, you know, you know, a guy in an agency and, you know, he's been in um, two deadly confrontations or three or four, not much more than that these days, but certainly in the old days, maybe more. But the thing is, even if, you know, you get up to 10, it's really not statistically significant. Now, who am I to tell that guy it's not statistically significant because somebody tried to kill him 10 times. So it's kind of a, an area that nobody really wants to, to talk about and, you know, say, I get what you're saying, but, so, you know, it, it's rude. And on top of it, it's I wasn't in this place, but. But the, the, that's what colors everything that we do and teach is based on our experience. The thing is, is our experience is, for, 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 the, for the most part, uh, uh, um, most of us don't have a level of experience that's, you know, you can really draw data from and make choices based on, you know, averages and statistics and so on. And so from there you know, everybody develops these opinions and they're gospel and they are gospel to that person because they experienced it. And so as a student, when you hear it, you know, the best thing to do is listen to it, try to understand it, try to what you get, what you can out of it, but don't put that over as an overlay over everything that you're likely to encounter. Yeah. Because, you know, it, you know, the the idea that, uh, you know, the fight may be much, 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 much further than you expect or it may be at contact distance. And just like uh, especially in law enforcement uh, nowadays, nobody well, not nobody, but very few agencies shoot at 50. And in Texas, more and more and more agencies don't shoot at 25 either because mm. the minimum what's required is that you shoot at 15. So. Yeah, I remember when so you that, have that that trend kicked off a few yeah. years ago, and uh, now, now you add to it. What what about contact distance shooting? Yeah, I don't think anybody you know, the, does the, for a qualification. Yeah, it, it, qualification is one thing, and then there's always you know how do you you know how do you teach them in the academy? Right, and you know contact distance is is in my opinion. You, you, you kind of have to have like a one, one to one instructor ratio, at least in the beginning. Right. Because you have to make sure that another hand, you know, their other hand doesn't get in the way. Um, you know, lots of things in, in interest of safety. And then it's a hassle because you blow your targets up. Yeah. So, I've seen that more than once. Exactly. So a lot of instructors kind of just defer to, yeah, you know, we'll teach that to them sometime later when it's more advanced. Yeah. So whether it's, Super near or super far, um, I, I don't think we, we we train around those. So to um, so to kind of round out that concept, it's you know you gave two really good examples of 
you know, well, what fight? And that's something that yeah. comes back around, you know, ad nauseum is when you're evaluating your own training or your own uh, personal defense setup, let's say, is what fight are you preparing for? And and that's yeah. that's something that, that I have to have conversations with people about is like, when I get the question, well, how much, how much is fast enough? How much is enough yeah. ammo? How much is, you know, enough X, Y, Z and every piece of gear? Well, how much medical gear is enough medical gear? And I have to go, well, what are you preparing for? You know, I mean, I live in a, you know, I live what, two and a half, three hours North of you. And we get snowstorms, ice storms and things like that. You know, I, I know what I need to, have a fight with that, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like I know how to get get through that, right? Uh, sure. I have enough medical gear on hand for, you know, myself and one other person, basically, a couple of tourniquets, etc. Um, as far as like firearms go, I'm like have gun with ten plus rounds. Good. Let's move on, yeah. because. I'm not in any danger of putting on night vision and, uh, you know, going and assaulting an objective somewhere. That's just, that's not the life I lead. There was, you know, there was a time where I had to prepare for that. Um, there was a, a time I worked night shift and my night shift loadout was completely different than my day shift loadout. Um, and I know that sounds a little weird, but there's, it's not weird. It is very normal. Um, I just think that the reality is it should be somewhere in the middle. Exactly. You know? It's all about balance. You know I mean? I love, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm kind of on this deal now of, since we're on oxymorons of like excessive minimalism, uh, <laughs> like what can I get by with and still perform to a level yeah. that I feel comfortable with? And, uh, I keep coming back to like G45 appendix rig and a a mag in my pocket. You know, it's like if I'm going to where I think I need much more than that, I should probably be wearing a uniform and doing it for money. Not, not Um, my time off, you know, uh, rationalizations are very necessary. Uh, uh, they, they help keep us sane. But the thing is, is that, the rationalization may sound good right up until it fails you. So I don't know the magic answer. I don't know the magic answer to anything really. Um, the, the one rule I have about, you know, carrying gun, uh, carrying ammo, carrying, uh, you know, other gear. Um, it's a simple one. And I hope it's not hard to describe. It's basically this. It's, I try to picture myself in, in a, in a, in a, in a serious, you know, problem that may involve deadly force. And I picture myself drawing and then I go, okay, when you look down at your hand, does your brain go, oh, damn it. I wish I'd have had this, <laughs> right? What if, whatever makes sense to you in that, then carry this whatever this is 
So that's why I think things like, you know, G45s and especially, you know, now we're like in the golden age of, uh, you know, uh, 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 365s and at Glock 48s and, and so on, where you're giving up some stuff, but you still have a goodly amount of rounds. Um, um, you have a still a good sight radius. Uh, the pistol is still controllable and so on. So, um, and, you know, I even down to, you know, Steve Moses always, you know, harped on me about, you know, car- carrying, carrying stuff for uh, medical uh, needs. And so I pared it down to like the three things that fit in the cargo pocket of my shorts, which is generally what I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, there's a lot more stuff that you can carry, but I, I kind of pictured it. It's like, if I found myself in that position, what is it that I wish that I, I would have that, you know, there's no substitute for Well, then carry that at least. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and, and you have to make your own deal. You have to make your own deal with the devil as to what, you know, what, what you're willing to do because the rationalization of, well, I'm not going to get into anything today will often fail. Yeah. So, you know, come up with a middle ground of what is the bare necessities in, in certain areas and, and make sure you have that. I, I struggle with, uh, I struggle with that at times too. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I just went on a dove hunting trip, right. And I'm like, well, do I really need to take a case of shotgun shells? Does that make sense? Like, I, I know that's sure, maybe sure. a completely I- innocuous example, but I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, I haven't shot a shotgun in quite some, or an over a bird gun in quite some mm-hmm. time. So it, it may cost me eight or $10 in shells before I harvest anything. <laughs> right. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where you're having that conversation sitting on your bucket going, I wish I'd have shot around a skeet before I got here. Um, and consequently, I was like, okay, it's going to look foolish, but I'm going to take an entire case of 20-gauge shells. And then the rationalization in me said, well, what if somebody else in camp needs needs some shells? So I'll just be their right. their hero this weekend. And that that was my way of going, okay, your standard loadout of you know two boxes of 20-gauge shells for a, a, a one-day hunt, uh, okay, we, we can justify putting a little more stuff stuff in the truck you know um so yeah. and it's like that with everyday carry gear or my off-duty carry gear at work i have a set you know i have a setup that i run every single day and have it has varied a little bit but it hasn't changed that drastically in almost 20 years uh you know the pistol has changed a few times uh flashlights have yeah. gotten better Sure. Uh, you know, tourniquets are a standard thing now. So, uh, right, you right. know, the vests have gotten lighter. Um, you know, there's vest carriers, there's all this stuff, but the general loadout stays the same. Um, but when it comes to off work is where I have a lot more of that, um, a lot more of that internal debate on what I'm going to walk out the door with today. And, uh, yeah. You know, the other night I went, I, I've got a pool here, you know, and I walked down to the pool and I've got, I've got a J frame in, uh, 
and a, a speed strip. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm in a double walled compound here, mm-hmm. but I still don't want to get caught with my swim trunks down. Right. Like I don't want to, that I, that's not going to happen, but I figured, you know, 10 rounds of 38, you know, federal gold medal and a J frame yeah. and an ancient J frame. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm okay with that here. Uh, am I going to walk, yeah, it, walk out the main gate with that? Probably not. Am I going to go get my mail with that? Sure. But. And that, and that is totally reasonable. And, and we always have to, you know, make that, you know, that, um, that logical decision is the middle ground. And I where think I, I really, this is what I'm going to go do. Right. So, you know, and I really feel like that's, Maybe part of the reason that uh, the good Colonel Cooper put mindset as kind of the yeah. bottom of the pyramid, like it's the foundation that all the other stuff comes off of. Yeah. Because it covers it. it that's where you have those, uh, those personal inventory debates, you know? Yeah. That's where and, you have and, the loadout and, debate. That's where you have the, right. where am I going? What am I doing? What, what's the potential for disaster here? <laughs> it, it's kind of yeah. uh, falls under mindset to me. And, 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 um, you know, sometimes the, 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 the simplest things, uh, you know, are, are the most important. So uh, uh, of those, if we're going to stick with the combat tribe, you know, mindset to me is, is super important. Uh, and it means lots of things, uh, what you're willing to do, but most, you know, to me, most importantly, part of that is the, the, you know, the whole awareness of what's going on around you. Oh, absolutely. And as as with everything, we needlessly complicate it sometimes. And people, you know, will, will get into you know a, a global thermonuclear internet war over you know the color code. Okay, so is red the fight, or do you have to add black? So is yeah. it white, yellow, orange, red, black? Or, or whatever. And, and people really get wrapped up in the thing where the point of it is, is that understand that there's a position where, uh, you know, which, you know, we, you know, Jeff Cooper adopted it, I believe, from, you know, uh, uh, Marine military doctor at the time. But essentially, there's a condition where, look, it's like the doors are all locked. It's 11 o'clock at night. I have my feet up on an ottoman. I'm having a drink and I'm reading a, reading a really good book. I am in condition white. That's fine because you, that's a position you're in and, you know, you know how secure your place is to where, you know, you, there are times you need to be in condition white just for good mental health. Yeah. Uh, you know, yellow is what we're, what we are out in public. We're just out in public. And, and the best way I explain it is I said, you know, just picture the, you know, the old school, you know, radars where, you know, the, the dish is basically circling and it's just aware of any planes in the airspace. That's all that it is. Uh, you, you know, who walks in a room, you know, who walks out of a room, you, you know, who's around you and things like that. And, you know, you know, oranges, you know, some version of something has caught your eye and you're, you're giving it attention. And it's like, that has your focus. And red is the next step where either, you know, depending on, you know, who's teaching it, you either 
think you have a problem, you know you have a problem, or you're in the fight. But whatever colors you use or whatever, it, things like that are what's important, not the semantics and not the, you know. Not and if you don't walk around in public in condition yellow, it really doesn't matter what what your gun handling skills are, and it really doesn't matter, you know, what your gear is, and it really doesn't matter. A lot of things don't matter. Um, so to me, it was in the last week or two, I've started thinking back on, you know, not just like back to basics, but really, really what, what, what is important. And, and, um, um, you know, in the, in the, in the circle of, of rationalizations, I'm just, you know, gonna, gonna pick a couple of my favorites. Um, they are, uh, something like, uh, and I read this a lot. Hey, I carried a revolver for, you know, 28 years. And I never felt under gun. Well, okay. That, that's, that's a state of mind. That, that's, not, that's not a state of, of uh, you know, readiness. That's not a state of ability. That's just a state of mind. And the fact that you didn't feel under gun, I'm glad. Because that's part of winning the fight is not feeling that, you know, you're under gun. But, you know, how many times is that contested? Yeah. That... And if it wasn't contested, then it doesn't really matter how secure you felt. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, what are you, what are you, what are you basing the comfort on? Right. Uh, th- that's one that bothers me. And then there's people that go the other way. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites, and again, uh, it, it's a good internet one. It's like, hey, look, 45. Hey, it won us two world wars. Oh, are we going down that 45, nine millimeter? Yeah, right. Oh, wow. Not really. Not really. <laughs> uh, because, because, you know me, I love 45s and I carry them all the time. Right. But to put it in the context of it won us two world wars is... Is asinine. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. What won us two world wars? Mm, I think that we had a very large industrial base that we could make more of anything than anybody else. I'm pretty sure that's how we won war- wars. Um, and so people say that. It won us two world wars. Like, yeah, lots of things. I, I think maybe our ability to produce good canned rations, maybe, yeah. was more, more, more a decider than the caliber of our sidearm. So I hear stuff like that. And I just kind of, you know, l- learn to put it away from there. The things that occur to me are some of the things that you hit on a minute ago, which was, uh, well, the combat triad, right? That That's a good place to be. That's a good place to start from. Uh, then you, you know, you were talking about, you know, that, that dilemma of, well, what do I carry? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well then, you know, that that's the next place you should look. And we could devote a sure. whole episode to marksmanship and a whole episode to gun handling. The more I dive into the topic, the more I realize that uh you know, Jeff Cooper was on to something when he put mindset at the bottom at the as yeah. the foundation of all of it. Um because marksmanship and gun handling that's I won't say that's the easiest two things to train, 
but it's certainly not as yeah. in depth, I believe, as mindset. It's just not. I mean, there, there's the mechanical aspects of it, but the, the mindset sets it apart because it is so multi-layered and multi-dimensional. Whereas, you know, gun handling, we can get off into the minutia of how do you load, unload, sure. reload, you know, everything you do before pressing the trigger or everything you might do that that, that gun is a part of. Uh, but mindset covers way more than just the gun. Uh, marksmanship, you know, I am high on marksmanship sure. and, and that, that comes from, uh, you know, my background. I'm also high on very, or I'm very high on, on what makes acceptable accuracy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but once you have those things and, and you can perform them repeatedly, I hate to oversimplify, but you know, can you hit a reasonably sized target at a reasonable distance? Yeah. Okay. If you can do that repeatedly, then, you know, what really, what more is there to do it faster? Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um to do it from a, a different shooting position. Okay. Fine. Yeah. The, the gun handling part of that, you know, that's, that's, that's an important key. Uh, but the mindset part is what, what really drives your mission because it's that's where you answer the question. Well, what fight, Yeah, you know, what, what, what fight is it? And, and, you know, even if I'm not prepared with the gear, I would prefer what's my mindset to solve that problem. Focus on things like the combat triad. That's a very good place to start. And then when you go from there, you need to assess what, what you carry, which is a, a hardware issue. And then you need to address the software issue, which is like, do I have the skills to deal with that? Do I have the skills to access deadly force and so on? So it's a mindset, logically assess your gear without more than a half dozen rationalizations. And then look at what, am, what am I missing? Uh, what like missing is a piece of the puzzle and work on that. And that to me is the best I could come up with in terms of how do you win a fight? Thanks, Hanny. Episode 53. What's it take to win the fight? Reminder, check out our sponsor, title sponsor, Excess Sites. ExcessSites.com. CCW safe. Save 10% off your membership. Code OFFDUTY10. EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt. EDCBeltCo.com. Guardian Nation Conference. Guardian Conference is like two weeks away. It'll be a week away by the time you get this. I think the early word pricing is done. It is almost sold out. If you're if you're on the fence, jump in now. And uh, sign up for the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I would appreciate it if you like, share, give us a rating. Get on iTunes there and give us a five-star rating because we deserve it, right? (laughs) All right, you guys. Have a great week and looking forward to seeing you at the Guardian Conference. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC.
Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.